welcome back to the JMB Body Talks podcast. Today's special guest is a tech mogul turned to an automotive journalist. Awesome switch. He worked for a ton of different news outlets in the past, now started his own company called Acceleromota, where he does car reviews in depth, talks about tech, what's to come. Today we talked about a lot of that stuff. He also runs a local New York cars and coffee. So please, without further ado, welcome this awesome guest, Gabe Carey. I had this weird thing when I was a kid where I didn't like cars like my brother did. (laughs) And I felt a lot of guilt and shame towards that because I felt like I needed to like cars yeah. in to be accepted in size, which was just a ridiculous thing that I have since dealt with in uh, therapy, thank God. We love to talk about cars now, um, so I can show my dad I love cars. And uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I've i never owned a Japanese car, yeah. one of the questions I asked you before, which is probably why some of my cars have been more unreliable. I had uh, a few Audis, I had a, an A3, the hatchback before the sedans came to America. I had a A4, which was convertible with my sister's car. Everything that I had was my sister's car. Mm-hmm. So that there's a little bit of embarrassment that goes in hand in hand with that. And then I had an A5 that was terribly unreliable. The transmission went on me. And uh, I was going uphill once and it just, I couldn't go any further. Luckily, a couple days later, somebody T-boned me. They ran through a stoplight and that car got totaled. And then the car I got after that was a Model 3 Tesla. So I got lucky. I fell in love with a Tesla. But so you have now? I or don't have. I have okay. a Mini Cooper now, which everybody's always like, "Why do you have a Mini Cooper?" Mini Coopers are awesome. It, having a wife is great because if ever I need to, I kind of just like I'm like, "Oh, my wife likes it," you know. <laughs> and that's kind of like the be all. That's how I am with uh, my wife's car that I picked out. Which so. was? <laughs> she also has an Alpha. Okay. It's a Tonale. Yeah. Oh, what do you think about the Tonale? People people give it shit, but it's pretty fun for like a front wheel drive platform compact crossover SUV I mean it's got you can turn off traction control you can still there's a sport mode that puts it permanently into all-wheel drive um, it still drives like an alpha the biggest thing I, I see about the toenail which is what I hear a lot of people call oh, it yeah, that's what I call it yeah, 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 make, yeah. makes sense um, is it's brand platform sharing right like I've, yeah, I've yeah. seen the what is it a Hornet yeah what what's your opinion on that because do you feel like it, it degrades the, oh, the car community? Absolutely. Um, the Hornet is, uh, I could go on all day. Please. No, no, tell me. Uh, the Hornet, it's the rebadged one, right? right. They rebadged the Alfa Romeo as the Hornet, but here everyone kind of gets it the other way around because Dodge is so much more prevalent mm-hmm. and popular than uh, Alfa is. And then there's also the pricing issue. Uh, what is which the price is like, difference? It's huge if you count the fact that the Hornet comes as a gas-only vehicle and starts at like $30,000 for that version, but the Tonale only comes as a plug-in hybrid, and they're about the same price at the plug-in hybrid level, but the problem is you can also get a cheaper Dodge Hornet that there's no trim level for that with the Tonale. Obviously, you get the the incentive for the miles per gallon. probably doesn't kill gas. Does it add a little bit of front-end power? Like, Do you get a little bit of torque because of that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it has the instant torque thing that makes EVs feel fast and it's kind of the same, same deal. I mean, in EV mode, it's very slow by like with just the electric motors. How does it um, sound? It sounds surprisingly good. Um, 
Like they, the exhaust note on it, they, I think, fine tune perfectly uh, for that vehicle. It gets loud. I mean, if you put it in D mode and just rev it up, yeah. um, we get average like over 70 miles per gallon. You said what? Yeah, because uh, we're using it in mostly EV motor in the city. Wow. Um, so, you know, we only use the gas engine when we're on longer trips. That makes sense. Yeah. You said makes an EV feel fast. Do you think, is that just a, a random choice of words or do you feel as though EVs only feel fast or you think they are fast? Oh, they're quick, but quick. I, quick and fast, I feel like are different things. I, I oftentimes quick to accelerate, that. but not all of them are going to hit that. Uh, at a certain speed, there's going to be a difference depending on uh, the aerodynamics of that vehicle and not every car is going to deal with that downforce uh, yeah. the same way. That so makes sense. like a Bugatti eventually will get faster than right. that Tesla Model S Plaid. Uh, also it has a higher top speed. Mm -hmm. um, so that also plays into the equation. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. People tend to ask, oh, you have a Mini, is, is it fast? And it's like, well, I would be hard pressed to even call it quick, but if you had to choose one of the two words, I would mm -hmm. say it's quick. Quick versus fast. Yeah. I, I oftentimes use the term that I think is almost universally accepted for describing how many Cooper feels to drive, which is go-kart. It, mm -hmm. it feels like a go-kart, which is awesome. I've heard that, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's fantastic. When you're looking for a small Econo car, a lot of times, now you can't get a Fiat 500 or a newer one here in this country. Yeah, because it's only the 500X, right? Right. They sell here. And it, it sucks because that, I mean, it didn't sell well, I completely understand, but it wasn't a bad car, but that being said, BMW made my car, and because of that, the interior feels like a, a 2 Series. I don't know if it feels like a 3 Series, but it feels like a 2 Series, and it feels amazing. It's got a real beefy steering wheel, and I don't know if all of the sound is plugged in through those speakers. I think a lot of it is, because, mm -hmm. again, this might be in my head, but I'll, <laughs> I'll put my hand down when I'm accelerating, and I'll feel that speaker rumble of it. That being said... I love my Mini Cooper. The car that I genuinely, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, the car that I really want to drive because it's a select group of people who have taste for this car is the Julia, specifically the Quadrifoglio, because I think that... I watched your video on it. Yeah. Just, yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I barely see any coverage of it. it <laughs> you don't see it. Yeah. And that's another reason why it's so cool. And I'm a huge fan of If You Know You Know, and that car is... I, that is like the epitome of it. Like I rode in a McLaren a, a couple weeks ago. A GT, for, right? Yeah, the, the GT. And I was getting looks from a lot of random people, but it got old after a few hours, honestly, because I, I had nothing to talk about with most of them. It was not like car people. It was right. like regular everyday people just being like, oh, what is that? I have no idea what that is. A lot of them didn't know what McLaren was, which shocked me, but it kind of brought me down to earth a little bit. The Alpha, on the other hand, I get a lot of thumbs up kind of mm -hmm. around the city um, right. and in general, uh, and usually I can kind of have a conversation around it with right. those people. It's there the universal guy, sign like, for nice cars, thumbs yeah. up. It's like, oh, you're handsome. No, you're a good looking guy, but the car. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the, the car. car. It's yeah, the car. Yeah. And, you and it's usually guys. It's like guys who are in heavily modified cars or like cars that are enthusiast cars or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, you can, you can tell when so why that car? What what drew you to that car? Because quick aside, I remember, I, I think it was 2018, I, I went to school in New England. I might have been 2017. And I'm not a huge football fan, but 
if you go to school in New England and you don't watch the Pats, people will jump you. It's insane. And there was a commercial for when the Quadrifoglio first I came out. I actually just found out about that this morning. Really? I had no idea there was a Super Bowl ad. And I don't watch football either. So I didn't either. I had to. Know. And yeah. so my, I remember my father texted me. My dad doesn't watch football either. And he said, did you see that commercial? I said, yeah. And I, I remember this so specifically. I don't have the text, but I remember him texting me, M3 killer. And I just thought that was so interesting. Oh my interesting. god! Every YouTube thumbnail says that. It's a bu- it's that, like the buzz. Yeah, it, I mean, it'd be great if that were true, but no one knows about it because <laughs> right. like that was the one ad they ran. I guess the thing that blew my mind at the time was, it, for me at least, it was the first time I had seen an ex- a more accessible car with active aero in the front. Mm-hmm. When that, I don't know if your car has it, but that displayable front splitter. Yep. yep. That is so sick. Mm-hmm. The only car I had seen with that at that time was probably the 991 that has the deployable front. I think, I forget what they call it, like air buffer or something. But that is sick. Now, people who love cars and like the inner workings of cars, they're, the more stuff you add to a car, right? The, the thought is like, well, it's just more to break. It's yeah. more, more to have to take to your service center and say, mm-hmm. give me the bill for five grand, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm all very familiar. <laughs> yeah. um. So the, the, the roundabout question was, why Alpha, why Quattrofolio when there's so many other options? Yeah, um, I had a BMW 4 Series before this, and uh, I was thinking about going with an M, because uh, I hadn't had an M car. Um, but first of all, the newer models, I I'm not a fan of the, the grills. I mean, a lot of it's a very polarizing thing. Yeah, I have a um, strong opinion. But I would have, I mean, I would have gotten used anyway, so I probably would have gotten the previous generation. But with Alpha, I just think it's uh, it's it's like beauty and power. Um, so it's like I come from kind of a more artistic background mm-hmm. uh, versus a an automotive background. I was basically in a special arts program in high school instead of doing academic stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, for the last two years, painting and graphic design and all that stuff. And I just think the design language of Alfa Romeo has been so consistent since like the 1930s. Like you can identify it and there's, it's kind of been unwavering in a way um, that BMW seems to constantly want to be like change its identity up. I feel mm, like. Interesting. Um, that's not to say they aren't great cars that drive really nicely right. uh, they drive about the same to be honest like the m cars i've driven are handleable similarly but i do like the i love the exhaust note um i love the ferrari engine like ferrari derived engine right. uh which is just a cool kind of novelty that you don't get to say with many right. cars uh and it's not as uh heavy as a maserati uh that also you know could that's another way to access yeah. a, a Ferrari engine without having a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, I mean, it's a four-door sedan. That's, it's pretty sick. I mean, it's like a super sedan. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, I guess it, it's probably more comparable to the M's, but um, for some reason in my head, it lives in the like M5 space. I, I don't know why in my head I, I see it that way. I think with the addition of the M badges on the, you know, 440s or, or whatever, I think the more I see BMW maybe pandering to different markets. Like I've I've heard people who are pretty well connected on the inside of the design aspect of of cars tell me that that grill that a lot of people don't like was made with the idea of catering to the Asian market, which is such a massive market for them. And from what I understand about catering to different markets and demographics, Mm -hmm. 
it's a smart business play to, to, to try to please a bigger market. And there's so many people in China buying cars, yeah. understandably. But again, you lose, you know, I have a 1988 E30. Um, it's not the M, which everyone always asks, is the M? No. Um, yeah. When I bought it, I was 22. I definitely didn't have the money for the M. And yeah. now I probably never will because they're going up. But yeah. I, I remember getting in that car the first day. I stopped to grab a cup of coffee and enjoy the drive. And I was like, where do I put my coffee? And I had done a little research after. The Germans didn't think you needed a cup holder because this is not, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a, not as much a tool. It, it's a driving experience. You shouldn't need a cup of coffee. You yeah. should have one hand in the steering wheel and your other hand should be constantly going down and shifting. It's definitely not like that now. No, yeah, it's yeah. definitely not like that. Yeah, I see a lot of people complain that it's like not a real sports car anymore and uh, you know, not a real performance car. And... I'll, I'll say though, to your point, I completely agree. My dad picked up a M4 um, recently and that car feels like in a, in a completely opposite way they've gone away from. I feel like an M3 was a performance everyday driver I don't think I'd want to drive an M3, a current M3 and M4 every day. It's just too much. Yeah. Like, I, I get it, and I think I'm probably in the minority, but the newer M3s, the newer M4, it's just too much. Yeah. I think that should be a different tier. And if you've ever gotten behind the wheel of the M8, that that thing is going to, like, the, the unexperienced driver is done in that car, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. I like the way it looks. You know, I, I've always liked the, the M6s, which a lot of people didn't like, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of the... The newer generation of that, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't know where where we go. It, you see those memes, it's like the grill's getting bigger, but where do we go? Yeah, you know, what's your thought on that? Do you think it just gets bigger? Do you think they come back around? Well, BMW said they needed it for cooling and aerodynamics or something. I'm not knowledgeable enough to know right. like, the technical accuracy of that. My confusion around that is like, why do the EVs have it then? Uh, it's not even a real grill. Like, why do, why does it need that ugly? Like, That's a good point. You know, like that Machi is the first thing that comes to my head. That yeah. Mustang Machi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would love to, you know, hear an explanation from them at some point. But I don't know where we go from here. It's like we're not going to get like non-luxury sports or performance cars. It feels like uh, moving forward because. Uh, Americans and I, and also the Chinese market is similar in that they have these high expectations for what's included standard with mm. everything and so there's not really room for some and that's why the cost of cars is continuing to go up and up uh, you need the touchscreen infotainment you need a huge like the Cadillac CT5 now has a 34-inch display. That's insane. Um, why do you need that? It's an OLED, like 34-inch, all across the dash. A better refresh rate than my TV when I was in college. Yep, like it's crazy. Uh, it's like nicer than my TV now. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> what do you need that for? I, 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 don't, don't, know. I don't know. Um, but as more and more car companies start to incorporate those uh, those features, cost continues to go up and takes away from that kind of pure sports car experience that mm. I think some people want, not everyone, but at least you should be able, like you should have the option. Right. And in Europe, I know a lot of cars, you can still get like a cheap base model version of like the Mercedes C-Class. It's, right. I know it's not, we're not talking about the same thing now. It's not no, a I agree thing, though. but um, you can still get like a Mercedes C-Class with roll up windows and everything comes in a manual. If everything. You want it. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's very basic, but it just makes cars more affordable. It's the same with Mexico and some other emerging markets as well. 
um, and we just don't get those models here and I would I wish we did um, it'd be great because uh, we just drove the base model Corvette C8 last week uh, Jarek and I is our editor-in-chief and it was very nice but it was also like okay if they took some things out of this it could lower the price at least back to what it was a few years ago when it first launched uh, it had an MSRP of like 59k and now it's up to 68 starting price and it just keeps going up and up because they keep making more features standard because that's what people Consumers buy. Want. Yeah. But if they, if to your point, if they took stuff out, you would still have an incredible driving experience and a great that's car. That's what I would want. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't need, uh, I don't need leather seats or armrests or any of, like it's a very comfortable riding experience, but right. that's really not what I personally want out of that car. I think gone are the days now of, for most people, you could have an everyday car, like a, you know, if you had kids, you could have a pilot, right? A Honda pilot yeah. that could haul your kids around and get the stinky bags in the back. And then you could have uh, a stick shift Mini Cooper or a, a, weekend, a weekend car. car yeah. I think, I think it's like you said, you can't get a base model car that you just want to drive on the weekends or you with your wife. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's, that sucks. Like I, I was in, so you had that car was the classic car club liveried gt correct so i'm very close to those guys we had noah who runs events over there he was in the podcast before you and i was there and they had a what's what's the most modern before the evora the lotus is the uh elise elise yeah yeah, yeah. that car my my i took my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, I showed them around. It was a Ferrari, a Lamborghini event. There was the crazy stuff in there. At the end, they moved all their cars back in, and they have a Lotus, Elise. And they that got more attention from them than, than anything else did because it looked wild. What they didn't realize was that car is probably the cheapest car in there, mm-hmm. the least known car, and probably the most fun to drive. Yeah. But it's crazy that you can't you can't get something like that, and that really sucks. You can't even get an Elise cheap anymore. Because people like because there are so few cars like that even used now that are affordable, um, or, or you know there are so few new new cars options like that that people are moving to the used market, and then that's making the cost of used cars like that right. to skyrocket as well. Yeah, we could talk about the uh, the MX Five, the Miata. That's probably one of the only that cars. Was my car before the BMW. I love that. And, and my, every time it's, it's so funny. Like I always say my wife, I, I jokingly tell her all the time, your next car, now that we're married, you can pick whatever you want. Jokingly, she can't pick up Ferrari, but, and she always goes back to the, the Miata. She's like, I love that car. I mean, tell me why. And she's like, I, I can't put it into, really? <laughs> yeah. I guess it's our only car. <laughs> that makes sense. We'll leave the Wrangler and she's like, it's just, this is literally the way. And I'm going to send this clip to her. I want you to clip this Elvis. She says, it's just such a meat meat. And I'm like, you know what? It is true. It's so it's true. true. It is a meat yeah. meat. Yeah, it is. But tell me, uh, so tell me a little bit about what you do, um, how we met, and uh, you know the, your, your outlets, your social media, and, and I want to hear all about, about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I run Acceleromota, uh, which is a website, but it's also a bunch of social media pages. Originally, it was an Instagram page that we kind of evolved into a website only a few months after the Instagram launched. And we had started to build up a following. A lot of it was through uh, some of the local events I was running, uh, New York Cars and Coffee. And so I tried to combine the two of those things. 
into like an events and media company. Events is sort of on hiatus because uh, it's winter and a lot of those things go on hiatus. Uh, it gets cold here. But I, I've, I was a tech journalist for 10 years-ish, uh, um, sort of. I mean, I was part-time later on because I was doing other stuff. Um, but I was, uh, I worked for like Tech Radar and Digital Trends and a lot of those different outlets. Uh, I was covering gaming though and computers and things like that. Um, so automotive is definitely not, was not in my wheelhouse, but it's something I started to get interested in over time as I got more and more bored of uh, what I was covering um, and more interested in like this transformative shift uh, a few years ago, I guess, uh, is when it started to become interesting to me, um, was like, okay, the legislation is constantly changing. Uh, there's like developments happening, I felt like. So uh, it was that kind of led, and I like cars. Uh, it's not that I didn't like cars. I, I found them interesting. I just didn't know a ton about cars. And it wasn't something that was on my radar as like something I'd want to cover as a journalist. Mm -hmm. But uh, I had the opportunity to start writing about cars uh, when I, which is a whole other thing. Uh, like pivoting from one beat to another is almost impossible in that world. In journalism. Uh, yeah, because they don't, no one wants to take a chance on you if you don't already have that experience. So you get pigeonholed. Yeah, you get pigeonholed into what you're doing, which is why I started my own site. Uh, my own brand is uh, because it's the only way you can pivot is by doing your own thing. It's how I got my start to begin with. I was in high school, uh, like my 10th grade year, I started a website uh, called B10. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, but it was a tech and uh, gaming and we did some pop culture stuff for a while. We were covering music and a little bit of everything, movies and things like that. Um, but that was the only way uh, I, th that worked for me that time. So I was like, all right, well, you know, it's what, uh, 11, 12 years later. Um, and now I want to pivot again. I want to change up what I'm doing. Uh, so that was the only way I knew how to do it. Uh, and it's gone pretty well so far. And but it's specifically the automotive industry. On, it's specifically on automotive. Uh, and we have kind of a tech focus uh, on automotive so like it's uh framed from that angle normally um where we go a little bit more in depth on uh tech features than some of the other sites and you test drive stuff as well you guys get to do reviews and yep yeah we've t uh we only have a few reviews up so far but we did get the uh hyundai elantra n i didn't test that one we have an editor-in-chief that i hired in september uh who kind of runs that editorial department he came from the drive um, but he oh, that's also awesome. for Drive Tribe um, and uh, what were the other one? Hot Cars, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, so he's he's got a lot of experience. He was recommended to me by Patrick George. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was no. the uh, he used to be the editor in chief of Jalopnik um, oh, awesome. a few years back, uh, and then he was at he was the editorial director for the Drive. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess he's Jarek told me that. Uh, he actually turned him down for a freelance uh, opportunity, and then he recommended Jarek as uh, for to me as I was asking about. I was asking about uh, who who are some uh, writers? Do you know any writers like I can hire? I can bring on as a freelancer because uh, who have experience? Because I'm having to over edit a lot of these writers. I was having to like rewrite some of the stuff they're writing. Uh, the factual inaccuracies around uh, certain vehicles um, and like. The trim levels and stuff, it, it is hard to kind of keep track of all that. 
Um, it's but, definitely important to, to but you car, need it to be accurate, especially yeah. for car readers. Yeah. So then I ended up having to, uh, before things were even published, I was going back and having to rewrite stuff cause I had hired these like green writers who were cheap. Uh, and I was like, okay, I need to open up my budget a bit more, uh, reduce the amount of output, but focus on quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I told, I told Patrick, I was like, Hey, do you know anyone like that? And he's like, uh, maybe Jarek Jaleco uh, is like the only person he could think of. He was like, most of these car boys shouldn't have graduated high school, <laughs> which I thought was a fun uh, anecdote. But uh, I told Jarek that he was very, uh, he was very flattered. And uh, I brought him on as a freelancer for a few months and he was so good that like, I barely had to touch anything he was writing. It was awesome. That's and he's huge a great photographer like too. Um, so that's kind of been something. So we're trying to find our identity too. Um, it's like, this is a new brand. Um, we started off being like all about, it was, it was very focused on EVs, um, and sort of that transition. Uh, but now we've kind of incorporated other kinds of vehicles into it. Um, and it's more of like what we were saying is like a celebration of car culture while also embracing the future. So it's like a little bit of everything, um, a mix, uh, but we also uh, kind of pride ourselves on covering events uh, and like lesser known events that other uh, sites wouldn't really cover. Uh, like uh, Jarek covered the West Side, I forget, West Side Collective Storage, Matt Ferris thing. Oh, uh, cool. On the West Coast, yeah. Uh, and then Matt Ferris actually shared our thing. That's dumb. Um, so we, yeah, like that's something, that's a way we're starting to think about it is like, let's cover these events run by, you know, bigger influential people we're basically covering automotive media from an automotive media outlet that's interesting um and, and events run by uh people who are influential in that space that's, i feel like that's really what everybody's doing yeah is is so it's becoming to the point where <clears throat> as a consumer of content i'm narrowing in on people who have the most interesting for me educated take on media Right. right. And, and yeah. so that's really cool that you're doing that. And one thing before you continue that I kind of want to commend you on is you're not going to just throw away your identity as a journalist. You're, you were considering taking on people who were a little bit more green, but at the end of the day, you chose to keep your integrity intact above everything. And I think that's really cool. And that's yeah, really important. We could have gotten a lot more stuff up. And to be honest, like our output has been pretty low from the beginning, um, but I'm pretty adamant about our stuff being good um and like i don't want to publish anything i'm not proud of uh and it's kind of worked out for us uh our traffic isn't the best but uh at least like social social media wise we do pretty well but on the actual website it's been a little bit of a struggle um that said like our seo has consistently risen every single that's great um and i think that is more important because it means that we have uh the potential, we have greater potential, and I think there's a higher ceiling for that than to just put a bunch of stuff out at once and it's all garbage and uh, Google sees that. I mean, their algorithm continues to get better and better too at recognizing people who are just phoning it in. Right. Uh, and the fact that we're not has actually uh, worked in our favor. Um, what do you see performs the best in, in terms of where at least what you're what you would consider your niche now you're saying you're kind of still trying to define your niche do you feel that there's something that because we think it's elvis and i do a ton of 
spot meetings where we'll just sit down and we'll look at content that we're creating. Because we're looking at things from a little bit of a different perspective than you guys are. You're building a brand from scratch. We're trying to continuously promote our brand, right? And and so, you know, obviously, the, th- the, the thing that I always say to people, I say, what's the point of this? Well, obviously, for the tri-state area and maybe a little bit more than that, we want to bring in as much business to the, to the shop as possible. Right. But in reality, there is such a wider availability of, of monetization and people, which isn't our only goal because Elvis and I are constantly trying to make good content. But we always say there's a kid in Iowa who loves cars. Mm-hmm. And if he likes our stuff, if we can educate him or, or you know, if he can, you know, see the brand and identify with it, then that's, that's really cool. Uh, so we think storytelling is, is really what drives a lot of viewership, especially with the short-form content and long-form content as well. But do you find that there's something for the site that works better than other things? On the site, uh, definitely. Uh, so Jarek will insist it's uh, features we butt heads a little bit on certain things because uh, he's very like much the creative type, and I'm like, okay, but we have to like I have to rope it in and be like, okay, but we're also a business, so we have to make we have money. To make money. Um, and we have to do some of the stuff that's not fun, but I do want to make sure like even that's high quality because it is what people are looking for. Um, and, and for us, it's like those information pages on specific car models and things like that, um, where, you know, when something's announced, instead of doing a news story, we go in depth and, and I, I know other sites do that as well, uh, like car and driver and things like, an, uh, uh, everything we know style page, uh, on cars as they're announced. Um, but we do some really comprehensive research on what people are looking for specifically about each car. So it's not just like a catch-all format or template that we have. Um, and how do you do that research? Uh, I have a lot of experience in, uh, in SEO. Um, it's something I've done for a, long, a really long time. So um, I have tools at my disposal that I uh, use to do that. Uh, and we have Secret, very secret, secretive. I accidentally discovered SEO when I was a kid, um, and I played into it after a while. Um, but uh, there are there are tools that are pretty intuitive to use, um, and then there are some that are a bit more in depth. But we have spreadsheets full of stuff that's just that's awesome. like, uh, okay, what questions are people asking about this specific car, um, and how can we answer those in a way that is digestible um, and approachable, but also like not boring to read. Uh, and that's sort of a problem I've noticed about how other companies are covering these cars uh, or, or just approaching automotive uh, reporting in general is um, that it's just a catch-all. It's just like, okay, we have to do it this way. Price, release date, dot, 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 whatever. And then they focus like way too much on performance for cars that like don't necessitate it. Yeah, who gives a shit? Or, yeah, no one cares about like how the... Um, uh, Nissan Rogue or something like that. How it like handles on a track. Yeah. Like, um, let's not focus on that. Let's like uh, interior. How is many a, cup holders does it have? Yes, interior is like so underrated uh, when it comes to some of these bigger media outlets because well, it's what everyone is searching for. Well, because listen, every uh, every effing car looks the same on the outside now. Yeah. Have you ever seen those? Those there'll be a, a video of somebody posting, you know, ten is, compact SUVs. <laughs> we even we even had this discussion. You look at a at a Urus. I see a thousand other cars. Yeah. I, I have RS Q8s come in the shop. Uh, you know, I have the 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 Cayenne GT 
coupe, whatever. Like, it's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Where is brand identity at a certain point? Yeah. And it's true. At a certain point, you get into a car, you say, okay, well, has it, how does it feel ergonomically? You know? So to your point, it's, it's that's what I want to know. Yeah, and we try to put interior galleries and in everything uh, in, in all of those pages as well as our reviews. So basically what we do is we'll, we'll create those pages and then later on when we can get our hands on our review unit, we replace that page with uh, our you know, review first-hand impressions and things like that. So we try to do as much as we can before we can go hands-on with something. Um, and then when we go hands-on, then we like really nail down, like, okay, here's exactly how we want to approach this and cover it. We already have sort of a boilerplate template built out um, for each page. So, is there anything in the car space that's super exciting to you? Anything that's that you're excited to see, or right now that's happening? That you're... I think uh, autonomous cars are interesting. It's not like for me specifically because I like driving, but um, I do think other you know there are other drivers on the road who could really benefit from it, um, and there are people who hate driving who like would prefer to their car to drive itself. Um, and I think what Mercedes is doing with that is pretty interesting. They've uh, kind of been the first to reach a true level three autonomy. Really? Um, yeah, we actually have a preview of it, like a hands-on preview that one of our freelancers did uh, on oh. their self-driving system. And it seems to be really effective. Um, he was in stop-go traffic in LA for hours and it was, it totally worked the entire time. Wow. It drove them around made the turns and all that um, so it's really interesting to see something that I'm more interested in personally uh, would be like Porsche's e-fuel um, I would I am excited to see where that goes like synthetic fuels um, because it's pretty much the only way that we will be able to theoretically keep the internal combustion alive right um, so uh, I, I, I want to see where that goes my theory is, though, uh, that it's going to be this really, like, niche, like, car enthusiast product uh, that you're only going to be able to get at, like, a track or something. Because it's yeah. $40 a gallon. I saw them. <laughs> I was talking to somebody today who said that they were at the Porsche Experience and they're testing it in just the GT cars, yeah. the track cars. Makes sense. I, think I mean, everything is... I don't think you're going to be able to go to the gas station and just get it. Let's see though, because maybe I hope so. Yeah, if we can get the economy of scales, you know, correct. I'd love to and... see them do that. Um, it, it seems very difficult based on like what I've read about it. This has been awesome. I, I we had a ton of stuff that I we were could have talked about, but I thought we flowed. We didn't even need to. Yeah, yeah. which was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so take some time to kind of plug, promote anything that you want to talk on, about uh, on the show. Much. Yeah, uh, but we have. Our own podcast we launched today, uh, where we only talked about the LA Auto Show. So awesome! Uh, with both Jarek and I, uh, we were in person to that one. Um, so definitely. That's great. That it's called Car Meet. Okay, Car Meet. Yep. M E E T. Yeah. And where can you find it? It will be on iTunes. Uh, it's also in the link in our bio. On great. Our Instagram. Uh, you can find the the site on uh, Instagram at Acceleramoda. Um, okay. TikTok, it's every platform is the same handle. Uh, we're on everything from uh, we're on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it now. Um, we're on YouTube, but it's mostly Shorts. Uh, so our our biggest uh, our biggest platforms are Instagram. And, uh, this was great, man. I really I really appreciate you coming on, and I'd love to get you back on because we love to come back on. Yeah, I feel like we just got started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>